What's going on, everybody? My name is Jake Lloyd, and this is the one, the only A-Hoops podcast taping this on Monday, February 22nd. I am at my desk, actually at my work office, and Dave Welders Crespo is also at his desk and is not here, sabotaged by his work. Thankfully, Sam Shortstop Healy on the line from Chicago. Sam, uh, I know work hasn't been easy for you either, but hey, at least uh, you have a little time for the A-Hoops podcast. Dude, we are we are making sacrifices uh, for the AU Who's podcast. Uh, judging by Crespo's email he sent to us earlier, oh my God. sounds like he's locked up in a basement for the next forty eight hours. I know that you've had a tough day, which you just said you had a tough day, but you never complain about that. So for you to say you had a tough day, it must have been a tough day. But um, hey, this is the one hour where we get to just forget about that. Talk to AU Hoops. That's right, that's right. You know what, let's jump right in, Sam, um, because we got Andre Ingram, an all-time AU great, joining us in about seven minutes. Delante really was the story yesterday, Sam. Uh, game winner for the freshman. Uh, incredible stuff, and in in just a wacko, wacko game against Holy Cross that capped off Back-to-back games that AU wins by one point, 60-59 over Lafayette at home, and then 71-70 on the road at Holy Cross. Sam, what to make of these Eagles? Uh, They're learning how to win close games, and specifically Delante showed so much poise on that last play. Yeah, no, it's, well, it's crazy. Like, like we said earlier, you know, they can lose any game, they can win any game, and, uh, you know, just the difference, two points is the difference between two wins right now. Um, but like you said, I think a lot of that just has to, has to come from them being able to kind of know how to win now. And following this team day in and day out, I follow a lot of basketball, but this is the first time I've followed a team this closely. And it's been amazing just to see that leap that Delante has made from, you know, I don't want to say timid freshman, but, you know, coming off the bench, a little timid to, to just being, you know, the go-to guy and a star in the league. Um, it's crazy to see that progression up close, so it's fun. Yeah, I mean, on Wednesday against Lafayette, the ball, the play was clearly designed for him. Uh, the last play in overtime, he takes it to the hole, he gets it blocked, but then he is the inbounder getting the ball to Charlie on the backdoor cut, and Charlie makes the free throw for the win. And then yesterday, was there any doubt coming out of the huddle that the ball was going to Delante? I mean... Uh, no, no, especially with Jesse out. And uh, like you said in the Lafayette game, uh, you know, Brennan, you know, already showed his hand and his confidence with Jones in that last second. So, um, you know, with Jesse out, I mean, Jesse could be the only other guy that you would uh, kind of argue in that situation. Right. That was the craziest thing is that Jesse and Marco both fouled out. This was a game that had, I believe, 75 combi- combined free throws, 41 for Holy Cross. Like, the refs were calling, basically, if you touch the guy in the jersey, they were calling it. Jesse fouls out right at the end of regulation. Marco fouls out in the first half minute of OT. So you've got three freshmen out there, right? You had Delante, uh, Andrea, and James, along with, who else was out there? I think it was Jalen and and Leon. Yeah, Jalen got some big minutes. Yeah, and Leon at the end. They actually, on that drive by Delante, they actually, the man didn't help out, and he stayed on Leon on the top of the key for that three, which I thought oh, was obviously Alexander. a mistake on their end, but I don't know if you saw that in the replay, it was just 
you know, you've got to, with Delonte, give him that one-on-one, spread it out, because he'll beat you every time. Well, I thought they had really good floor spacing on that play. I mean, sure, Alexander probably should have helped, should have recognized Delonte was the guy, but the floor was just spaced so well that there was no easy help, you know? Yeah, no, you're right. And I mean, like, how many times this year we should keep stats on, you know, AU's field goal percentage coming out of a timeout when Brennan calls up a play? Uh, because yeah. I can only recall maybe one time where they haven't come out of a timeout and had a three wide open or a good look. So, That's you know, uh, great play by Delonte, but you gotta, you gotta give Brennan some credit too, because he, he called up a good play. And, and finally, I mean, for Delonte to do that after he had, you know, helped cough up a three-point lead by turning the ball over in the previous possession. I thought that was as impressive as anything, the fact that the freshman forgot about the previous play and showed just incredible poise to make the winning play. No, I agree. He, got, he, 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 he doesn't seem to get down. His body language is good. Uh, it's all the signs of, uh, you know, there's no warning signs for, for anything but good things for him. So the win puts AU, you know, two games in a row now, at 7-9 and nine in the Patriot League, they're tied for 7th with Loyola. Uh, Sam, they can actually finish as high as 4th. Um, to do that, you know, if you get 4th, you get home court in the quarterfinals. That's something we never could have imagined from AU, you know, going back, you know, a couple weeks, a month. But to do that, they would have to win both games, versus Navy, and then versus Loyola next Saturday. And then they would need Navy, Colgate, and, um, and Army. Navy and Colgate are at nine and seven, and Army's at eight and eight to all lose both their games. So not very possible, but um, it is feasible. Um, the worst the Eagles can finish is eighth because they have the tiebreaker over Holy Cross, and they're two games up on them. So that's that means that even if AU were to lose both games, they would have a home game in the opening round of the Patriot League tournament. Um, you know they can finish fifth if they win both and have you know two out of that triumvirate of Navy, Colgate, Army. Uh, lose twice, they can finish sixth and still get that first round by if only one of those uh, teams loses twice, you know, in addition to two AU wins. Um, and AU can finish seventh and get that opening round game versus last place uh, Lafayette if they beat Loyola and Loyola either A, loses Wednesday versus Holy Cross or AU wins the tiebreaker tie because of a better record versus the first place team Bucknell. Um, one, one last thing, they would finish eighth uh, and have that opening round game versus Holy Cross if they lose both games or if they tie with Loyola and Lehigh wins the league over Bucknell. We'll talk a little bit more about the league later. Um, but Sam, I, I didn't mean, understand. I didn't understand the thing about that. I'm just excited <laughs> to watch some more basketball. <laughs> Bottom line: there are five different positions that AU could finish in the Patriot League based on this last week. So there will be a lot going on. Follow me on Twitter for updates at JakeLAM2116. That's JakeLAM2116. But you know what, Sam? Let's get this first guest on the phone. Andre Ingram. AU legend. An AU legend now playing in the D-League. He's 30 years old. He's a 6'3 guard. He played at Highland Springs High School and then uh, at AU from 2003 to 2007. And... The reason that uh, he was top of mind about two weeks ago, Sam, was he won the NBA D-League three-point shooting contest, and he didn't just win it for the L.A. Defenders. He crushed it 
with rounds of 25 and 26. He made 39 out of 50 shots. It was the best showing in a three-point shooting contest, not just for the NBDL, but also for the NBA in history. We're talking about guys like Larry Bird. Sam, this guy can shoot. That, that is ridiculous, and it's too bad that you know that wasn't on that NBA stage because that would go viral. And I mean, you you would know his name right now because, like you said, the record and like there's been some legends that have shot in that contest. Exactly, and you know, at AU, he's the fifth all-time leading scorer program history with 1,655 points. He's the third in three-pointers with 265. Second in career starts with 117th, fourth in played games with 118. Impressive career. So now let's get Andre Ingram on the phone. Uh, Andre Ingram of the LA Defenders. All right, so now it is a great honor to have on the podcast one of the all-time Eagles greats, Andre Ingram. Played for the Eagles from 2003 to 2007, is the fifth all-time in scoring at AU, and has since played... uh, Eight seasons in the D-League for both the Utah Flash and the Los Angeles Defenders. And just recently, Sam won his second D-League three-point shooting contest, beating Jimmer Fredette, and not to mention setting the all-time record for both D-League and NBA uh, three-point shooting contests, making 39 of 50 shots. Andre, thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, no problem at all. Thank you guys for having me. Ah, Jake, I just hit three threes in a row on my Nerf hoop. Uh, and I'm 30 years old. That was my Saturday morning, so we have a lot in common, me and Andre. <laughs> All right, well, Andre, let's let's start with your recent shooting heroics. Now, you put up you know 26 and 27 points in the two rounds of the contest, as I mentioned, making 39 of 50. That's crazy. I mean, that's better than Clay Thompson and Steph Curry did in the NBA version. Shouldn't shouldn't you be allowed to like challenge them? But but overall, what was that experience like for you? <laughs> Well, well, first off, like I was in the building uh, to watch Clay uh, Thompson and Steph shoot. Not, you know, whatever my score was, I still admire those guys and how they shoot, man. But uh, yeah, it was great. The, the whole experience in Toronto was cool, and you know, to get hot like that at the three point line, I, I've never experienced it before, so I really didn't even know how to feel myself. But um, no, it was great, man. To to win it uh, was really my only focus, and then to do it in that fashion, that was just uh, icing on the cake, really. Yeah, Andre, um, Sam Healy here in Chicago. Uh, one thing that really stands out with your uh, post-AU career is that you played in the D-League for eight seasons. And I'm sure you're uh, giving your talent and the numbers you've put up. You've had plenty of offers overseas. Uh, it actually makes me think of about the guy, uh, I went to Virginia Tech, graduated in 2007, uh, Xavier Dalbell, um, who... Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Xavier, he chose to actually stay in the D-League, and it worked out for him, and he got called up with the Suns. But um, what's made you stick in the state for so long, and what's that experience been like? Yeah, you know what, I've enjoyed it, actually. And, and like you said, I, I had a couple opportunities, especially in my early seasons in the D-League when I was in Utah, uh, to head overseas. But, you know, I kind of felt like I was close, as you talked about Xavier uh, Dowdell, and I actually played against him in the D-League some. But you, you kind of feel you're close, and so... You know, you all grow up playing with that NBA dream, and so I, I just continued to uh, play in the D League when I was in Utah, and that was really probably the prime years where I probably maybe could have, uh, maybe even should have gone overseas to play. 
Uh, but I decided to catch you because I thought I was so close. And, you know, I don't regret it at all, man. I've had a you know, great career here in the States. It's been lovely for me. And, you know, still got an opportunity to maybe, uh, you know, get that call up. So, yeah, man, I've, I've enjoyed every bit of it. Very nice, very nice. Andre, let's let's go down memory lane. So you see, so you were at, you came out of you know Highland Springs High, just outside of Richmond, and then you came to DC and played for AU, of course, from 2003 to 2007. Now, the teams in those years finished second, third, fourth, and fourth in the league. Uh, you lost in the finals in your freshman year and the semis the last three years. So you guys were pretty good. What do you remember? Uh, you know, going back down memory lane, and I know I'm testing your memory here, but what do you remember? <laughs> about the league at that time and how close you guys were to really breaking through and getting that first Patriot League championship, but also just, like, how tough it was to crack those top teams like Bucknell? Yeah, no, I mean, the, the, the first thing I kind of think about is, you know, just how, how tough our league was. And, you know, I, I tell, you know, a lot of the guys that I play with here, you know, who, you know, a lot of people had never heard of American or the Patriot League or what have you, but... And we had some talented teams in there, man. I mean, I, I tell people all the time, you know, my team didn't make the tournament. I'm going to tell you, though, the teams who did, they did some damage in the tournament. I mean, Bucknell knocked off Kansas yeah. twice by year there uh, in the first round. And so, you know, we were the real deal, man, just not really talked about it all. So, you know, I, I kind of look back uh, on my days back at AU finally, man. And one of my, you know, even favorite memories is, you know, knowing that the uh, the guys that I left there, you know, as I was a senior, they were incoming as freshmen. They actually, you know, got over the hump for us, man, and, and actually got to the tournament. So, you know, I'm just as proud of, of, of that crew making it to the tournament as I am my own team that, you know, competing really hard against some good teams in the Patriot League. Yeah, no, Andre, um, forgive me for a second. Uh, but I want to ask you specifically about your last game as an Eagle, uh, the semifinals versus Holy Cross in 07. Um, I, I, I remember it very well. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you do. It's a back-and-forth game. Uh, you played great. You had 20 points, and you hit a three with about 30 seconds left that hits the rim, pops straight up in the air, and then down. And sadly, Holy Cross's Patriot League Player of the Year, Keith Simmons, hits the game winner for four seconds left. What were those final moments like? Yeah, no, I, I remember both extremely well. Uh, the three-pointer, man, I, I, the way I shot it, I, I just knew it. I, I thought it was in, you know, at, at first when I let go of my hand. But when it hit the front of the rim, I was like, wow, that's so good. It didn't go in. hit the front of the rim, and it seemed like it just kissed the sky, man. It dropped right in. I had to point my finger to the air because the man upstairs put that one in. And so, you know, at that point, I'm just thinking, oh, we're done with this game. And, you know. Shot like that goes in the tie. We're on a roll, number one team in Holy Cross, playing the Patriot League Player of the Year, and I'm defending them. You know, I'm feeling great, man. I'm just feeling like, you know, there's no way to move this game. And, you know, when, when Simmons hit that shot, man, I, I was just like, you know, I, you, you kind of, you just kind of don't feel like it's over. You know, I had that feeling like, you know, okay, we just lost, but it doesn't feel like it's over or it doesn't suppose it. But, Feel like it's supposed to be over. I guess it's the you know right way to say it. And you know, I, I just couldn't believe it in the locker room. It was the you know first time I like you know was really hurt by a loss, man, in, in my career. Really, because you know my last you know senior in high school, we won the state championship, and so uh, and in college, none of the losses hurt like that one because that was it. There was going to be no comeback after that. So yeah, I, I remember in the locker room, it just kind of all hit me like you'll never get another shot out here again. So. 
uh, that hurt. <laughs> so I think you can have memory uh, with that part of it hurt. But, uh, you know, since I've been, you know, uh, getting over that, you know, trying to continue my career and, you know, hope for some better memories, and it's been good. But, uh, yeah, that day, that the, the shot, um, especially in that feeling afterwards, just feeling like it shouldn't have been over, just uh, stuck with me. How how long did it stick with you? Like, I mean, obviously you, you applied for the draft a few months later, um, but you also, you, you were at AU and you also were graduating. It wasn't like, you know, with some of these underclassmen at big schools today where, like, the end of their college career is one thing, but then they're like, that's basically it for them at that college. Were, was it a, a struggle? Was it Was it constantly on your mind for the next couple months? Yeah, you know what? I, it didn't stay with me as long as I thought it would. Because uh, mm. you're right. Because you know, being a senior, it, it kind of means a little more than some of these guys who you know, you know, come out early and what have you, and you know, you know, know they're going to bigger and better things. Um, for me, it wasn't a certainty that I was going to bigger and better, but I was excited about the opportunity of it. So um, it, it didn't stick with me long at all. Uh, you know, I had to get back to AU the long bus ride home. You know, you just kind of put things in perspective and, you know, how great a career you had, all the things you were able to do. And, you know, as best you can, look at every positive thing you can that, you know, kind of came out of it. And then, you know, I said to myself, well, that's not the last basketball you're playing, period. I mean, right. you're going to play, whether it's overseas, whether it's D-League, whatever the case may be. So, uh, I was able to get over fairly quickly uh, and, and quicker than I thought I would. So, uh, it didn't hurt for too long. It's not something that haunts me every day. I, as a matter of fact, I hadn't thought about it until you brought it up, so I can't uh, Well, sorry for bringing it back. <laughs> but, you know, Andre, you, you, mentioned, you mentioned, you know, the, the younger guys, and you really did lay a foundation for what would happen the next two years with Derek Mercer and Garrison Carr leading the Eagles to those first two Patriot League titles. I mean, you played a huge role in that. First off, what did you notice about those guys during your two years with them that maybe you know, predicted their success? And secondly, what was it like for you? I don't know if you were able to watch any of those games those next two years or if you just heard about it, but what was it like for you to 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 see that, you know, just right after your career, but that finally AU was taking it taking those next steps and winning Patriot League championships and almost winning NCAA tournament games? Yeah, no, exactly. No, so uh, the, the first question about, you know, what I saw in those guys, they had a toughness about them. They, they did their freshman class coming in, uh, like you said, with Mercer and Garrison and uh, Brian Gilmore, George Nichols, all of them. They, they all had a certain toughness about them, uh, a certain attitude that, uh, that they were they really weren't going to be denied. And, you know, that's what helped them to play as freshmen, uh, you know, when they were playing with me. And so uh, I kind of I kind of thought that would go well for them, and it ended up doing so. And uh, you know, Bursa and, and, and Carr definitely let them for sure. But you know, guys like Brian Gilmore, guys like George Nichols, like those extra pieces. And mm-hmm. you know, we you know we're mid-major school, man. We're undersized, so you got to have some sort of heart with you in order, you know, to win and compete with the big boys. So um, I definitely follow the following two seasons when they made their tournament run. Like I said, I'm in the D League and, you know, coming from America, no one knows who it is. And so when our conference championship is on TV, I'm like, you guys watch this, you know. <laughs> you know so I, I remember, uh, you know, watching both of their conference championship games because I was with my teammates uh, at the time in Utah with their D League team. And I'm cheering our guys on, man. And, you know, the best feeling about those, you know, teams when I left AU was, uh, 
each and every one of them made sure to text me and call me and thank me, you know, for, you know, any and all that I had done, uh, whatever that may have been to help them to, you know, get there. They didn't have to do that at all, man. So that, that, that really meant a lot to me. And so I was telling those guys to heck on, man. And then, you know, when they almost got Tennessee, almost got one of those, I was right there with them too, you know, supporting them all the way. So, uh, but yeah, I knew they had something. There was something about their toughness and heart, the sort of toughness and heart you need to, you know, beat a high major school when you are a mid-major. And I think, you know, their class in those years kind of started something, man, because, you know, you kind of just saw that they just take off during that time. I don't know um, what it was about, you know, that, that time of year or that, that class that did that. But, you know, then you have your BCU and your George Masons and all these mid majors come out of nowhere just doing extremely well in tournaments. And that hadn't always been the case. It was kind of like high major Division One schools are bust, but, you know, mid-majors since that time had just, you know, taken off and still are today. I mean, you look at college basketball today, there's no, mm-hmm. no really true favorite. It's wide open. So, uh, yeah, I, I definitely uh, support those guys and was up on them, you know, uh, a lot during those years. And, you know, yeah, I hadn't been even, uh, I hadn't been, you know, here lately, when, you know, especially when Jeff Jones went to ODU, but um, I still keep up with a lot of those guys today. I mean, I've heard from a lot of them even after winning the three-point contest, so. We've all kind of stayed close to the years, which is a great thing. Oh, that's awesome. So guys were, were texting you, hitting you up after you won the contest? Guys like Carr, Mercer, or other guys from those teams? Yeah, yeah. You know, me and, me and uh, Mercer especially are, you know, very close. So, uh, yeah, man, he made sure to text me as much cell service as I can get in Toronto. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, those guys stayed in contact with me throughout. Man, like I said, we, we, we uh, you know, kept in contact throughout the years, man, so... Um, yeah, we had genuine, you know, relationships. That was another thing I kind of saw with that class as well. They were together. And not to say that my class wasn't, but, you know, they were together, man. They, they you know, they, there was a the chemistry on and off the court, and that only helps, you know, that encourages all to have that. But, and not that all teams need it, but they had, you know, a, a genuine, you know, relationship and friendship that, you know, went beyond the court, and it kind of helps you on the court. So. Yeah, I mean, we got the chance, actually, this summer we did a podcast where we talked to both uh, Mercer and Gilmore, and that was the one, yeah. that was the theme. It was like they were they would just develop such a bond, uh, you know, both on and off the court, and it really translated, and they just loved playing with each other. Exactly, yeah. No, you can tell that from day one. You, you really could. So, yeah, man, those guys are cool. I, I went to uh, Gilmore's wedding, man. You know, I was, you know, there, and you know, just uh, like I said, man, we kind of keep up with everybody. Travis Lake just had his wedding not too long ago. I was with him uh, at his wedding as well, and he was a big part of that team too. The first one that went there, even though I, I think he was only there for one of the teams, but uh, yeah, man, everybody kind of contributed, man. It was it was great to see those guys, you know, get us over that hump to that semifinal hump. But, like I said, my freshman year, who would have known that would have been the closest I would have to get to a picture of yeah, we actually uh, we see Travis at a lot of games. He's in the D.C. area, so it's cool to like chat with him about those teams as well. Um, Andre, I want to just ask you, how has your game developed? What have been kind of the biggest things that you feel like you've had to, to work on and improve over the years during your professional career going from AU to the, to the pros? Yeah, well, two things uh, stick out uh, almost immediately. The first is uh, ball handling because, you know, going from, uh, you know, mid-major school and, uh, you know, I basically played, we basically played three guards and me being the biggest of the three. Uh, so at times I'm defending three in college, you know, and so, uh, 
and, and I played two guard all my life. Naturally, that's what I am, just a two guard. Mm-hmm. So when I played in the pros, man, my height was point guard height. So I had to learn to handle the ball. That was the, really the first thing I had to do um, in becoming a pro. So uh, a lot of my summers, um, you know, that in Philadelphia was just a lot of ball handling work, man. It was it was crazy because, you know, I, like I said, I'm a natural two guard. It's, it's what I know. It's what I do. And so uh, to kind of transition, it's different. Uh, it's different playing the point and shooting from a point guard position than it is to uh, you got to learn how to run a team. You got to learn how to get the ball going, get to guys who need it when they need it, and kind of keep pace of the game and kind of control the tempo. All of those things that a point guard does, and not that I can be able to do it at a level that guys do it that have been playing point guard all their life. But that was the first thing uh, immediately that I had to change about my game, or at least add to my game. Mm-hmm. With, uh, ball handling, because I really had to do that at American. My first season, Andres Rodriguez was there, and so uh, he definitely had a handle of the point. And then, you know, the last two years with Mercer, so I really didn't have to handle the ball at all. Uh, and secondly, I mean, shooting. You know, yeah, it, 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 you know, people tend to think you don't have to work too much on that, which you already do, you know, quite well. And so that's just not the case. I mean, my shooting had to prove as well. I shoot the ball much better as a pro and at this range than I did in college. So, you know, I mean, that's something to heavy grow because if you're going to be successful in the D-League or, you know, if you want to call it to the NBA, whatever the case may be, you have to be special in something. So, uh, shooting's always been my thing. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I had to improve on that as well. I had to improve the range and, you know, kind of learn the game, find my spots and find where I could be most effective. So, those are definitely the two biggest things that come to mind when you think of how my game has changed and or grown since being in college. So, yeah, those things. Yeah, I mean, you've shot 45% from three over your D-League career, which is a very impressive number. I haven't had the chance to, to analyze kind of the top shooters during that time, but 45% is is way up there. Was there any anyone that you worked with in particular or anyone that you tried to, to model yourself after or whose work ethic you kind of adopted when it came to shooting? And, and what has kind of been your practice routine in terms of shooting? Like, do you get a particular number of shots up every day? Do you shoot in between game days? Do you shoot a ton over the summer? What's been your routine during your career? Yeah, that's a great question. As far as inspiration-wise, uh, you know, I've, I've always enjoyed uh, more than anything, and I think to play, you know, for as long as I've been playing and want to continue playing, you, you kind of got to love the whole process of it. And I love, you know, shooting, man. I love getting shots up. It is, you know, to answer your question about, you know, how often I shoot. I mean, in the summer, I mean, it's in the thousands of number of shots that you, you know, take a day whenever I'm in the gym and stuff. Uh, it's a love, and uh, you know I actually enjoy doing it. Cause, I mean, it, it takes too long for you to do it if you don't enjoy it. So, uh, you know, loving what I do is you know a big help. But yeah, I mean, during the summer, I'd say I shoot you know in the thousands of shots a day uh, when I'm in the gym. And during season, uh, yeah, I mean, I have a set routine that I you know do each and every day of practice. And you know that's you know when we practice it hard or when we have light days. Uh, the shooting routine stays the same. There's nowhere near the thousands as, you know, during the off season because, you know, obviously the practice in a game, you just don't have the energy for it. But, yeah, man, I put up a healthy number of shots each and every day. So, uh, I, I don't know, the inspiration for that, other than, you know, just loving to shoot, is, uh, you know, just kind of, you know, coaches I've had over the years kind of, you know, encouraging you and, you know, guys in and out the NBA that kind of tell you what it takes to get there. So, um, I've, you know, 
I've always believed them when they told me, hey, this is what it's going to take for you to get to where you want to go. So, so in my mind, I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll do it. <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, I mean, that, that's where the inspiration came from. I've, I've had some great coaches since I've been in here. I'm part of my eight different seasons in the league. I can't tell you how many coaches I've had, but all of them preach work ethic. And that, you know, that's not really a problem for me. I, I enjoy working. So, um, yeah, so it, it's, uh, it's a lot of shots, and it's every day. So, it, you know, Every other day, if, if ever there's a day I'm in the gym, I'm going to work. I never had this really wasted days in the gym. So today we got a day off. That's the only time I'm not shooting. Um, <laughs> they give us an optional day. You know, they, they, you know, a lot of times during the season, you're playing 50, you know, games uh, in the season. So, you know, they give you like an optional practice day. If you want to come in and get shots, if you want to do some lifting, you come do that. Optional being mandatory for me. Um, unless they tell you Andre, we'll, we'll get you out of here on this one. You know, being in the pros for that long, you must have some uh, some stories or some paths you've crossed with particular pros. Or I know, you know, just from reading, you know, kind of uh, I've read like some Sports Illustrated stories about D League adventures, and I know it's far from the luxurious life of the pros. Is there a is there a story that stands out to you from your D League experience that you, that you like to tell people? Well, I, I mean, all right. So I, I, I have to say, yeah, I, I've heard some some horror stories from guys who played just in uh, other teams and for organizations that uh, just didn't have it together, man. And stories you wouldn't believe. Things like you know, you you have guys that you know come in hours late to practice, kind of doing whatever they want. I'm like, I think this, that that just can't be real. You know, it's just that, that, that I can't even fathom that. Um, I got to say, for the organizations I played for, I've been pretty fortunate. Utah, uh, first, you would think, you know, it's cold there, you know, it's like, you know, I'd, I'd rather be doing something else that's snowing in April and get me out of here type thing. The thing about Utah was, you know, those guys were up to, I mean, the people there, they loved basketball. So, mm-hmm. I mean, the atmosphere was great there. They treated us like rock stars while we were there, even though we were a D-League team. And here in L.A., I mean, it's the best possible D-League situation you can be in. I mean, aside from the weather and being in L.A., I mean, we practice and play with the Lakers. Those guys all the time. Where you know, this cup check's office is right in sight of our practice. I mean, he's right on top of us watching it. So we, I mean, so my story would be good ones about the D League. But you, you hear horror stories in you know cities that like Sioux Falls and North mm-hmm. Dakota and South Dakota. <laughs> you know, just, just cities and things that are just you know just just stupid cold. You know, for no reason. And <laughs> you know, you got guys not really focused, and then if you get on a team, a team that's losing, and you're in the end of the season, how guys are just and out doing whatever they want to do and not showing up to practice, even showing up to games late, not prepared. I, I just can't battle that or battle being in a situation like that. So I've actually had it pretty good, man. There are some daily horror stories out there, but, you know, not on my side. <laughs> so you're saying that maybe if you had ended up in North Dakota, you might have taken a, a harder look at those overseas opportunities. Yeah, yeah, I think, <laughs> I think that's fair to say. <laughs> How much longer, uh, you know, you're only 30 and your legs look pretty fresh, you know, watching that contest. How much longer do you want to keep uh, keep doing this? And do you have, you know, other aspirations? You know, obviously everybody wants to play in the NBA, but what, what's what's kind of your, your thought process going forward? Yeah, you know, I, I, I just love the game, man. So I, I've always said to myself, I, I want to and am going to play until the wheels fall off, until I just, you know, feel like I can't do it anymore. You know, like you said, I mean, I, I, I don't 
like I have, you know, so much left in me. And, you know, hopefully it shows, it's shown in the contest, showing and you showing yourself during this season. Um, yeah, I mean, so, so, I mean, I, yeah, obviously, you know, I have plans, uh, you know, after basketball that always thinking about things and what we're going to do because, you know, all of us are knee injury away from it all being gone. So, right. um, you know, you always, you know, kind of have to have plan B going, but plan A is still running and still going strong, man. So, yeah, I mean, I, I plan to keep on playing for years to come. I mean, I feel great. As long as I feel as great as I do, and like we talked about earlier, as long as the work ethic stays there and, you know, wanting to look forward to the summers to work out and to do and put in all the work I do, I'm, I'm going to keep playing. So, you know, that's my only thought, really. That's, that's awesome, Andre, and we look forward to, to following along, and of course, you know, if you're ever in D.C., I know we don't have any D-League teams around here, I don't think there are any too close to here, um, but if you're ever in D.C., uh, let me know, or if you're ever able to make it back for a game, it'd be awesome to see you there, and of course, we'd love to do this again as well, this is a lot of fun. Oh, no problem at all, man, yeah, I appreciate you guys for having us, man, it's great. Yeah, absolutely. And I should say, too, that, that Sam would have been asking some of those questions. His phone actually unexpectedly quit on him, so we haven't had him for the past 15 minutes, but he definitely appreciates you oh. being on, too. <laughs> it's all good, man. <laughs> yeah, no, it's all good. All right, well, thanks so much again, Andre. Really appreciate it. Best of luck the rest of the season and just going forward. All right, yeah, appreciate it, man. You guys take care. All right, you too. So again, that was Andre Ingram. Uh, just an absolute pleasure to talk to. Great guy. Uh, he's had a really good NBA D-League career uh, with Utah and with L.A. He's loving life uh, out in L.A. Seems like just an absolute hoops junkie. My kind of guy. Sam, you actually missed probably the last, what, 15 to 20 minutes of that because you somehow got disconnected? I just somehow pressed, uh, yeah, I somehow, I, I pressed the button to end the call and somehow the call ended. Who would have thought? <laughs> uh, yeah, that was a mistake. But, uh, what a guy, you know, just from the start, uh, a lot of excitement. He seemed happy to be there and, uh, you know, some pretty cool insights. So, um, I was pretty pumped about my, uh, my little baby and Dalbell reference there from my days at Virginia Tech because, Andre and I uh, are the same exact age, I believe. Uh, and I'm like, are you an 07 grad from college, Jake? I am an 07 grad. Of course, I not actually I have two years on you guys. I'm not sure why it's two and not one, because I spent two years in kindergarten. Um, that's, uh, there, well, there's a well, fun you fact. Know, you, but... you know, some, some kids struggle with cutting in the lines, you know. It's, <laughs> it's cool. <laughs> hey man, I, but no, what, what, what a guy! What a guy! Uh, we definitely got to have him on again, and I hope he can get a chance to get that uh, call up in the NBA because you know, like he alluded to, I mean, that's the reason he's in the D League is you know because of that dream you have as a kid, and you know, you never know when you might get called up. You know what? And but the but the thing about him is too is that even if he doesn't get that call up, he's just someone who loves hooping. Uh, kind of what you you missed a little bit of him just talking about his future and just wanting to play as long as possible, you know, as long as he's healthy. He also mentioned that one of the big reasons why he's been content in his situation is that he's been in really good situations in Utah, you know, which is a basketball revering state when you talk about the Jazz, but also the fans there loving the the Utah Flash, and then. In L.A., they share, like, facilities with the Lakers. Like, he was talking about how 
like he sees Mitch Kupchak all the time and like probably sees Kobe all the time. It's just like it, they're not that separated from the top league. Whereas when you contrast that with like a team in North Dakota or a team in Idaho and there are those teams, that's a little bit different NBA D league lifestyle. And that he said admittedly might you know make him think about going overseas, but he likes his situation. He's a real dedicated player, a guy who shot 45% during his professional career. Um, and Sam, one other thing he touched on before we move on, he touched on, um, you know, obviously that heartbreaking game. I think that's right about when you got cut off, but also just on how that helped lay a foundation for those guys and, and just how he noticed the chemistry between, you know, Mercer and Carr and Nichols and Gilmore and, you know, which ultimately led to those two championships. So he was really a part of that beginning of laying the foundation for what turned out to be two of the greatest teams in AU history. Yeah, no, he, uh, he deserves, uh, he deserves his name on one of those banners, even though he had already graduated because without him, they would not have won any champion. They, they would not have probably won those championships. So yeah, I agree. And right? that, and that, and that's kind of what we're seeing right now with, uh, well, not as much. There are better teams, but with like a Jesse Reed now, um, you know, will will AU in the next few years? The Delonte, the James Washington, you know, will they get a championship? If so, you know, you got to credit that to a year like this and Jesse and Marco. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I, I would, you know, we we've seen it throughout the year. We've heard from Marco and Jesse in terms of how they're really relishing their role. Um, and it, it's just great to see, you know, a game like Sunday where, you know, Jesse played a whale of a game. Marco was great. They were doing a little bit of everything. Really got the Eagles, you know, to that situation where, you know, they end up in overtime and then Delante takes it from there. So that was almost like that game was kind of like a microcosm of what's happening this year in terms of the upperclassmen handing it off you know, to guys like Delante and James and Andrea. Yeah, no, totally agree. Um, but let's talk some Patriot League, dude. Dude, this league <laughs> this year is nuts, man. I, I don't care what anyone says. You can have all the blue bloods. I will be watching Patriot League basketball every single game. Did you see, did you see the other games yesterday, Sam? I know you were at a bar you, you snapped. I did. I, I did I, what day? What day are you talking about? So, okay, so so yeah, yeah, I guess sure. you you probably weren't able to convince any bartenders to put CBS Sports on because that was the Bucknell uh, Boston well, I, U game. Well, I was at I was at the city championship at uh, way far south side. Uh, well, that was city sick. and a team a team I already saw. Uh, they won the city championship. Uh, so it was a pretty pretty cool atmosphere. Um, pretty packed. So that's why I missed it. Well, anyway, you know, yesterday, Bucknell, you know, they're the top team in the league. They really made a statement yesterday with an 80-59 win over a red-hot BU team that had won seven in a row. You know, big-time win by Bucknell, which keeps them up one game in the league. And they just got that game lead on a Lehigh team that has also now won seven in a row. So, Sam... Our preseason predictions are actually starting to look pretty damn good. We've got those two teams. Granted, I think I at least picked Lehigh to win, and they still have a chance. But we had those two teams at the top. Things are finally starting to, to sort themselves out at the top. 
Yeah, just just like we called it. Never, I was never worried about that. <laughs> no, but uh, yeah, I, th- I think it's obvious that that they're the top two. Um, and it's you know Lehigh, you know shaky start, but um, you know they have, I think, the best offense in the Patriot League. Lehigh simply passes the eye test to me. Like when they're clicking, yeah. when they have those guards on the perimeter with Ross and. Price and Lefroy, and then Kempton, the player of the year last year, he might win it this year. We'll talk more about that on the next pod. With him in the middle, it's like, holy cow. Like, they just have all of the pieces. Um, and you talk about Lehigh, and again, you know, I know I get excited about this, but if they end up in the tournament, if they end up in the tournament, and they would be a very low seed, probably a 16 with their record, I'm not saying it would happen. I'm just saying they potentially could really give a game to a one seed? Uh, you know what? They have the, I don't want to say they have the size, but they do. And, uh, you know, uh, you know, a matchup. And it would be an interesting, interesting test. And no number one seed would want to play a Lehigh because, you know, they're a lot better than that number 16 seed. Um, you know, they should, I would think, not saying they're even going to win it. We're looking way ahead now. Yeah. But, you know, they'd be playing as like a 13 or a 14 seed. But, in that 16 team slot. So, yeah, I think they have the best opportunity, um, you know, for a Patriot League team to come out and make an upset in the tournament. For sure, Lehigh, they passed the eye test. So, Bucknell finishes at Lafayette, the last place team at Navy, and Lehigh finishes a really tough schedule at Colgate and at Army. Sam, we're talking about an Army team that has now won four in a row. Zach Spiker just picked up his 100th win as coach. Their seniors finally playing exactly like we thought they would at the beginning of the year. This Army team, to me, is as dangerous, almost as dangerous as maybe Lehigh. Yeah, you know, you see a little bit more of Army than me this year. I know that you and Crespo were at that, um, what was it, the GW game? Yeah. When uh, Tanner Plum went off. Um, So just judging from your excitement and and, and the way they were able to stay with George Washington, I know it was very early in the season, uh, but I think they stayed with him up to, you know, the last few minutes. So, um, you know, the Patriot League got some talent. It's got a lot of parity. And I'm I'm curious, where do you think AU stands right now? Like, in terms of your confidence or best of the league, do you think they're just right in the middle? Do you think they should be lower? What do you think? Well, if you look at Americans' wins, I don't think there's another team in the league that has won more close games. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you know, yeah. they've won their last two games by a point. You know, they did beat Bucknell by 14, but that was a closer game all the way through. They did beat Holy Cross by 13, but same deal. And then, you, you know, they beat Colgate by 5, Navy by 5, Lafayette by 8. I don't think that AU is a top half of the league team, you know, if I, if I had to pick, you know, my, the top five, it would be, you know, Bucknell, Lehigh, Army, BU, probably Navy, and then I'd have to put a Colgate, you know, in front of AU as well. So, so, so what does that put AU, you know, seventh best in the, and I, I definitely think they're a better team than Loyola, and obviously they're better than Holy Cross and Lafayette. Um, they're seventh, but, but they're nipping on the heels, and that, of those other teams, and as you said, Sam, they're capable of beating anyone. The only matchup, the only matchup that I would dread getting as an AU fan in the Patriot League tourney is Lehigh, because it's just, it's just a miserable matchup for the Eagles. Lehigh is just 
way too quick, way too athletic. Uh, Kempton just owns the guys down low. Um, it was pretty clear, you know, that was the first game that broke up the Eagles' five-game winning streak. It's pretty clear that that's just a really bad matchup on paper for the Eagles. Yeah, no way. If, if they're playing head-to-head, you know, Lehigh's going to win that 19 out of 20 times. So, um, yeah, let's not face them. Hopefully hopefully they either get upset or hopefully we get the other side of the schedule with a Bucknell. You know, not many times you want to say you'd ra- you'd want to play Bucknell in a Patriot League tournament, but with the matchups, I'd much rather play a Bucknell than a Lehigh. Well, you know, if AU somehow is able to climb into the four or the five spot, you know, and Bucknell is most likely going to finish first, um, well, I should say they're most likely going to get the one seed, even if Lehigh gains a game on them in in the last week. Bucknell will most likely win the tiebreaker because it would be. Uh, who had the better record against the third-place team, and BU will probably finish third. Bucknell beat him twice. Lehigh did not. So, assuming Bucknell's one, I'd be okay with AU obviously being the four or the five, or maybe even the eight seed, although that would be in the opening game. Um, six seed also would work in terms of avoiding Lehigh in the quarterfinals. I think the spot that AU doesn't want to be, Sam, is the seven seed, because A... You have to play that first game, you know, against Lafayette. We all saw how close that was on Wednesday. And then B, if Lehigh's the two, you then got to go to Lehigh. So that would probably be a quick end to the season. Yeah, this is why I never majored in finance. It just confuses me. I just like <laughs> watching the basketball, the what if. But it's it's interesting though. Um, you know, who knows? <laughs> One final Patriot League thought before we jump into our closing thoughts. Uh, Sam, did you see the video that went viral yesterday and has continued to dominate much of the internet today? I definitely did. I, whenever Patriot League goes viral, <laughs> you sure as heck know Jake Lloyd's going to let me know. I know you follow all the tweets, so yeah, I, I saw that right at the time. And uh, just good for that kid, you know, good for Tilton. Dude, on senior day, like, can you... Yeah, right? <laughs> you can't right? draw it up like, any bigger than that. Like, Dre Walker comes down, makes a three. This is in overtime with four seconds left. Next thing you know, you're watching Tillotson drain it. And not he didn't bank it in. It was nothing but the bottom from just inside half court. Yeah, just... Just a pure jump shot from, you know, no no big deal, 50 feet. Right? Well, the only <laughs> thing I wanted him to do was to channel his inner Derek Fisher and just, like, run into the tunnel. Just, like, leave the court. Like, that's yeah, it. Yeah, no, you, game. you either got to run into the tunnel or you got to just do that uh, jump onto the uh, press table <laughs> and just kind of give that Vince Carter stare from that 2000 dunk contest where he's just looking, you know, right up at the sky. <laughs> exactly. I can really picture Austin Tillotson doing that. <laughs> but it was really cool to see all the all the major media networks pick it up. You know, it was number one in Sports Center's top ten. Anytime the Patriot League gets some well deserved love nationally, it's a beautiful thing. Yes, sir, yes, sir. Alright, closing thoughts. Sam, lead us off. I'm Jeremy Schaap. My you know what? I went to, uh, I mentioned a little earlier, but I went to the uh, city championship on Sunday. Uh, I wanted to go to the semifinals on Friday, uh, but there was just 
They call it the Windy City for nothing. They don't call it the Windy City for nothing. There's like 70 mile an hour winds and <laughs> trains, debris on the tracks. So trains got shut down. So I was stuck at the train for 45 minutes. Nothing was, ha- no trains were coming, no trains were going. And then I had to walk home about four miles. Uh, and I was walking faster than the buses. Uh, because like lights were shut down, great, you know, all the grades or, um, you know, the blocks. But, um, so I was able to miss, I ended up missing the semifinals, but I made it to the finals. And, you know, what great basketball. I, I, so many people miss out on basketball in terms of like the big time high school or, or small college or division two, II, division three. Like, you know, not that I'm comparing American to high school, but it gets overlooked in terms of the bigger picture. Um, you know, like a lot of, small colleges or high schools and there's just a lot of good basketball out there and uh you know one of the reasons we do this podcast is because we like basketball and we like to look you know at the thing over look at or enjoy the games that are overlooked so um yeah just feel fortunate to be able to go to those games and to be able to do this podcast what was the level like of these high school games it was so simian is the number one team of the state and their stud is about a six foot five uh, lefty senior who's going to Gonzaga. He just signed a scholarship there, and uh, you know their big men are about six four, but ath- you know very athletic. They got this one guy who's like a six foot three inch, kind of a power forward slash wing. He's kind of a bigger dude, like a tractor trailer built, but he could jump alley oop, and he's the type of guy where I was like, I would love to see him in an American uniform, mm-hmm. like just very undersized. I think he's going to a junior college. Um, but you can tell it's the high school level with these guys based on they're not able to just slow down. You know, everything is just like if there's a press, they break that press, the shot's going up. You know, like you can't just stay calm down and you get that poise. And you can kind of understand when freshmen come in, like a James Washington, um, you know, the difference uh, between the college level and the high school level. Uh, but it's exciting to watch. Uh, and the thing about the high school, especially the big time, it's such a difference in talent, even on the same team. You know, you have one guy as like a role player who, you know, is happy to be on the team. Then you have the guy that has been getting recruited by, you know, every school in America and going to the Nike camp. So, uh, it's, it's fun. Yeah, absolutely. I, I personally have to say that I wish I went to more high school ball, Sam. And, and, you know, if we lived in the same city, you know, I'd be, you know, right there with you, uh, watching those games. Uh, so, yeah. so props yeah, to no, you, you, you for, for going. My wingman for those games. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So good stuff. You know, well, for my closing thought, I'm going to transition, uh, actually to women's basketball. Sam, I don't know if you've heard this story. I heard it this morning somehow for the first time. Uh, this player from Minnesota, Rachel Bannum, is just going off. She scored 52 points yesterday, breaking the Big Ten career scoring record in, get this score, Sam, a 114-106 to loss to Michigan State. In the yeah, right. women's basketball game. She now has 2,921 points to pass Penn State's Callie Mazanti as the all-time leader in Big Ten scoring. And she broke her own season record for threes with 97. I was watching the highlight this morning. She was bombing from like 25 feet. She would just come off, come up the court with no conscious, like Steph Curry, and just like shoot over the arm of an outstretched player from like 25. And I know, you know, Oftentimes, the women women's game, if you're not watching Connecticut, 
can be pretty bland, but Rachel Banham is not bland. And here's the coolest thing about this story. Kobe Bryant is giving her all kinds of props. <laughs> he's, been, he's noticed. He's tweeted about it. What did, what did he tweet? He said, he, said, yeah, uh, he tweeted uh, on February 15th, Clutch at Rachel Banham 15. Not many players can side fade, let alone for a game winner. And then he gave her more props yesterday. And Sam, listen to the sound. Kobe talking about her at the uh, at the post game press conference after his Bulls. I mean, his Lakers played at the Bulls. Uh, his last appearance in Chicago. Oh. The audio is not coming up, but anyway, Kobe just dished out, <laughs> he dished out mad props. So I thought, like, that's a really cool story. Um, Dishy. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Yeah, I mean, she can play. I mean, you know, you watch her game. Her game is very well balanced, right? Going left and pulling up and shooting. Going right, pulling up and shooting. Um, you know, floaters. I mean, she can, she can do it all. She can do it all. So, like I said, when I saw she scored 60, it didn't seem like much of a fluke to me. And uh, until they figure out a way to, to solve her weapons, she's going to continue to do it. How cool is that? Like, yeah, you got that, Kobe, that's got to be pretty cool for her. Right? Like, you got Kobe at the post-game press conference after his last game in Chicago talking about this player on the Minnesota women's basketball game team. So and just that, and our friend Zach, his, uh, he's from a tiny little town in Minnesota, about an hour south of St. Paul. And uh, literally about 300 people in his town, there's a girl who is the second best player on that team, or who was the face of that team from his hometown, uh, who was actually the face of the team uh, while I believe the star banner was injured. Uh, so I've actually got an inside little look on this Minnesota team. Uh, Zach's been talking about her for a while now, so... Uh, just a random little uh, little one-up right there. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, she is a stud. I'm going to try to at least catch you know part of a game if it's on on the Big Ten Network or something going forward because um, she is definitely worth watching. And it just goes to show, final point, that regardless of where you play or what league you're in, if you're doing incredible things, if you're making half-court shots, if you're putting up 52 or 60, you're going to get noticed. So hey, maybe yeah, Delante, yeah, maybe Delante is a fifty-two point game in his future. <laughs> I think I, I, hey, I would you I I take that maybe pretty even money if you had to say that in the next four years. Nah, probably not. Fifty-two is a lot. Maybe forty. I think he goes 40, for 40. 40, 40 be even money. Definitely, definitely. Put it down. I'm putting I'm putting a thousand on forty. What else can get? Well, everyone, you can find AU Hoops Podcast on iTunes. Search AU Hoops, two words. Also find all episodes at auhoopspodcast.com, where you can also find post-game quotes after all home games. We've still got two more. That's it for today. And as always, go Go A-U. Oh, baby, you got to say it with me, baby. <laughs>